You're listening to The Private Citizen. This is a Civil Liberties podcast, and you're listening to episode 160 for Saturday, the 7th of October, 2023. The lobbyists behind chat control. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab. I'm your host. Come to you live from Düsseldorf in Germany, which is a, uh, a city on the Rhine, in the Rhineland, so to speak. Um, and I'm, I'm having an alt. Cheers. Because that's the kind of beer um, we're having here. <laughs> that's Düsseldorf is famous for. Um, anyway, welcome to the show. I'm doing this live um, as I try to do. Um, on Twitch um, on a Saturday, which is something new, but um, I was um, I knew I couldn't get the show out on Wednesday this week because of scheduling. Um, I tried for Thursday, didn't make it. Tried for Friday, didn't make it. So now I have to do it today. Uh, that was mostly down to um, preparation, getting getting everything prepared. It's not that that was so much work, although it was quite you know I went in, into this quite detail but you know I just it just have to take that long anyway let's not discuss that let's get into the show what are we talking about today um I had talked about uh, I think this was two episodes back on um the chat control law that the EU is um is currently currently on hold but I guess will be decided upon uh this month um that the EU wants to introduce and it's a law that basically uh so, you know, lots of online platforms right now are scanning. Um, so if you use like, you know, iCloud or whatever, um, they're scanning all of the photos um, you're uploading for uh, what they call CSAM, which is child sexual abuse material, uh, child pornography. Um, and they're, they're scanning that. And if they, I think currently it's mostly hash-based, you know, if if... They just hash the photos, and if they correspond to known hashes of this kind of material, then it's forwarded to some, um, not in all cases, the police, sometimes some NGOs, um, you know, organizations that, that deal with this kind of thing. And then, you know, they'll look at that, and if it's, um, you know, if it's actually serious material, because obviously they're false positives a lot of the time, um, then... Um, or a lot of with that with that process probably not a lot of the time but there are false positives um, and then you know there, there will be prosecution uh, now what the E wants to do is it wants to scan all of your pictures on your phone and all of your messages and to do that because you know we finally after years of what's it a decade now after Snowden um, we finally got pretty much all of this end to end encrypted so that you know the intelligence services can't look into that and we actually have some privacy online uh, but now they want to get around that which is a process called client-side scanning um, I've explained all of that what I'm trying to say is uh, listen to episode um, what episode was that I think if you want to know about the law and why it's a bad idea uh, that would be episode 58 the EU wants to abolish digital uh, privacy but also go, just go to privatecitizen.press um, I've got lots of tags um, on the on the episode up the top and so there is um, a tag for client-side scanning um, I explained what that was very very early on in the show um, and why it's a bad idea um, so uh, yeah um, so today I'm going to talk about um, there was a story that came out 
um, that examined some of the lobbyists and some of the companies, specifically one company um, that is um, that has some movie stars, you know, Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore involved, um, that stand to benefit massively by this law. And uh, this story examined the process by which this uh, the politicians in the EU were uh, kind of influenced um, to pass this law, which is all very... Um, disheartening um but that's what we want to get into today um so you know i'm not gonna um explain uh, why this loss of it i probably get into it during this whole discussion but um yeah so basically um just very quickly before we get into all of that um the just just to make this very clear because nobody in the press really or i wouldn't say nobody but like you know, 98% of the press coverage I've seen um, doesn't have the ball to address the problem like I will do now, which they should because they, if they knew what they were talking about and had talked to some experts, which, you know, in this story, there's, for example, there's an expert, a very well-regarded ex expert who basically says the same thing. It's, it's very easy, right? In a digital system, your privacy completely depends on cryptography if there's no cryptography computers are made to copy things that's what they do that's what computers do when computers do the simplest operations like add a number subtract a number do anything um they will copy that's the underlying you know they, they'll, they, they'll take data from a hard drive copy it to ram you know copy it read it out of out of memory the processor um, does whatever, and then it gets written back into RAM and it gets copied from A to B. That's what happened. Um, and for this to happen, you know, there can't there can't be private data, really. Uh, <laughs> you know, in a computer system, normally there is no such thing as private data. Now, very early on, we started using encryption. When the internet came in, um, we used transport um, encryption. Um, transport level encryption, which is basically, you know, I'm I'm sending, my computer wants to send a file to your computer, uh, will encrypt it so that random people on the internet, because the internet is just people's computers, um, that it passes through, you know, where the data gets copied, can't read what I'm sending to you. Um, and, you know, out of Snowden came the revelation that, that of course, um, uh, when you're using a service, let's say I'm using um whatsapp or the facebook messenger whatever let's let's pick on facebook or meta as they're called now um if i use something like that then the with the with the let's call it the pre-snowden system the data was only protected in transit i.e i encrypted it it was protected in transit to facebook servers then it gets re-encrypted and sent to your device which would mean or which means that the service provider um always can see everything and we figured out through snowden that that is where the intelligence services went um you know they said okay if we can't just copy data off the internet and read it we just go to the service providers um which is why we started using something that was you know a technology that was at that time already you know not new um, which is end-to-end -end encryption, where you basically just encrypt it so nobody in, in, in the interim can read it. It's just a system that, you know, only the the sender and the intended recipient have an unencrypted copy of the data. 
And that is how privacy works um, in a digital space. So in our world, if we do not have end-to-end -end encryption, there is no privacy, you know, in, in a digital space. Um, which is why, you know, pretty much all the messengers, every, you know, all systems went to end-to-end -end encryption and, and cryptographers, IT people who know what they're talking about, try to get more and more services to do this. Um, what the EU is proposing, which is client-side scanning, means you get hold of the data before it is encrypted. And by you, I mean the service provider. I mean, whoever does this gets all the data that you think you want to keep private. And before you get put it in the process that will you know, make sure that it is private, uh, they'll take it and upload it to some server on the, on, on the web. And that means, and we have to say this so clearly, and people never do this in the press, which is what I fault my colleagues or many of my colleagues for. This means if this law passes and this system is put in place, this chat control system, there will be no digital privacy anymore, at least within the EU. But, you know, if you're not in the EU, you can be sure it's such a big market as you can see, uh, you know, how uh, digital, um, how, how privacy got forced onto pretty much a lot of the world by the GDPR, uh, the EU's, you know, pro-privacy um, legislation. This will also just, you know, um, I mean, it. You, it's hard to see, foresee a world where, let's say, Apple... Um, or, you know, uh, a WhatsApp has a messenger that will send all of your messages to some, you know, to their servers. So the, the EU can, you know, wh whoever's, we're going to talk about these, these companies that actually benefit from these laws can scan that. Where it'll be in a way that, you know, that will only happen in the EU or for people who are EU citizens. And then you'll have a different messenger or that, that'll get flipped off that bit there will be a bit that get flipped and once you're in the us you're not subject to this um i think they would implement it in a way that it will it will it will send everything to the servers of every user and then on the server server decide if you know if this stuff is um uh if the person in question is in, in the EU, for example, or is in the new restriction of this law, then if, if they aren't, they probably would delete the stuff off the server. But your your privacy would be for naught in any case. So I think this this pretty much affects everybody. Um, and it we have to very clearly say that this chat control law means the end of all digital privacy. Um, and that's something I just want to say in the beginning. Um, this is a basis, even if you don't listen to the, this as other episodes, you need um, to understand the rest um, of what I'm going to talk about today. But, you know, I've talked about the law, I've talked about whether that's a bad idea, and I've talked about client-side scanning a lot on the show. Um, so let's talk about this story, um, and basically let's ask the question, who benefits from this um, chat control law? <laughs> Of course, the proponents of this law say what everybody has said uh, in the last, I don't know how long the, the crypto war has been going on now, 25, no, it's been since the 90s, since the clipper chip, 
So probably for 30 years now, um, all the proponents of this, you know, we, we need to um, get rid of your privacy. We need to check everything. Um, encryption cannot be tolerated. Um, they've always said, you know, once someone, someone think of the children. So if you ask them who benefits, they always say, you know, it's, it's the children. Um, and the, so this, this, this whole story we are talking about today is a, an article that came out in September in uh, a online magazine called Balkan Insight. And they uh, wrote a very interesting and very long and very in-depth story uh, called Who Benefits Inside the EU's Fight Over Scanning for Child Sex Content. All of this I'm going to talk about, obviously, if you go to, if you go to privatecitizen.press, you will find it there. I have, um, for this episode, I also have appended the, so this website I've appended as a PDF file that I've used uh, in preparation for the show where all my notes are on there. So if you want to see my notes and what I was thinking when I was reading this, you can do that. But so that's a very interesting story. If you don't know who Balkan Inside are, um, you know, it might sound like some fly-by-night operation. Um, but they actually do some quite, you know, they obviously do Balkan stories a lot, but, you know, the EU, it's obviously interests them as well. And I found them... Um, um, I discovered them actually because the journalist um, actually tangentially connected to this story because um, uh, when I did that very early story in the show and then very early uh, episode on this podcast where I explained how client-side scanning works, um, which was in connection to this EncroChat phone, right, where the where Europol busted a uh, whole bunch of criminals were using this encrypted chat um technology like you know basically developed for criminals um but uh you know they the way they got in there was basically with client-side scanning and then i talked about that and i talked about why this is of course um dangerous to you know people using encryption for legitimate purposes as well and i actually got contacted by a journalist from Bal balkan inside who you know wanted to ask me some questions and um I had some comments i actually um, appear in one of their stories as an expert um, with my commentary on this kind of stuff. Um, so I've, I've been following them ever since, and they seem to be re relatively good on, on like digital medicine, stuff like that. Um, seems to be a relatively good publication. And, you know, they proved it again with this story, which hilariously, <laughs> if you read it all to the end, um, it actually uh, mentions that it, it... So this took very long, I guess, um, to, to research because... They talk in the story about how they did like, you know, kind of the European equivalent of, you know, kind of Freedom of Information Act things where they, you know, talk to the European ombudsman and, and try to get the EU to disclose some of the um, influences like money and lobbyist influences for these laws. And that took a, a long time. Um, so I guess they spent a lot of work on this story. And interestingly, it's, it's partly sponsored by the European Commission. So the very it's it's sponsored by some some like fund for investigative journalists in the EU, um, which turned up you know funding a story where they were investigating the EU, which I think is great. I mean that you know that means that the system's working, but um, uh, that's a that's a good thing about the European Commission. When you when you when you read the story, you get very disillusioned though. So this all revolves around. Um, this law, chat control, which was spearheaded by a Swedish member of the European Parliament called Ilva Johansson, who is currently the Home Affairs Commissioner for the uh, uh, for the Commission. 
the uh, the EU Commission, um, and um, basically her team and the the people involved, and who and how they got influenced by some NGOs and or uh, companies. Um, so one interesting aspect of this is that um, there are a lot of NGOs involved and there are companies involved or companies that build themselves as uh, for uh, not-for-profit like um, um, you know uh, uh, public the, the, the word just currently escapes my brain um, but you know the, the, the opposite of for-profit companies basically <laughs> um, and who actually but you know seem to be making a, a, a profit anyway uh, which which is a bit interesting um, so so where the, the 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 main company that is the, so there's lots of like NGOs and and lobbying organizations in the story and there's a company and the company is called Thorn Although they also give like kind of the appearance, if you go to their website, they kind of also give the appearance that they're kind of like more like an NGO or more like an activist thing. But I'm going to call them a company because that's what I think they are. And um, they are headed by Ashton Kutcher, you know, Hollywood star Ashton Kutcher, and his ex-wife, Demi Moore. Um, now, interesting, Kutcher used to be, is a co-founder of this company. And he used to be... Uh, chairman of the company but he recently resigned um and this is where uh where this all starts so let, let me start reading uh from from the story uh, star of that 70s show and a host of hollywood hits 45 year old kutcher resigned as chairman of the thorn board in mid-september amid uproar over a letter he wrote to a judge in support of convicted rapist and fellow that 70s show actor danny masterson prior to his sentencing, and he was sentenced for two counts of rape. Um, so in that court case, it was alleged, and I guess, you know, he's, he's been convicted for it, that he drugged women and um, then raped them. Um, and he's been sentenced to 30 years, I think, uh, minimum, like life and like 30 years. Um, like, so he's been sentenced to life, but like there's like, he can have like parole hearings, but only after 30 years. So 30 years minimum. Up until, up until that moment, however, Kutcher had for years been the very recognizable face of a campaign to rid the internet of CSAM, so child pornography, a role that involved considerable access to the top brass in Brussels. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, this immediately starts, like, very iffy, you know? So the guy who heads the company that, that is behind, um, you know, trying to get the EU to pass this law... Um, just recently wrote a letter to a judge in support of uh, a rapist and then had to step down. Now, there are other interesting people involved here. Of course, um, good old Atzenz Ursula is involved, uh, Ursula von der Leyen. Uh, in November 2020, uh, it was the turn of Commission President Ursula von der Leyen was part of a video conference with Kutcher and an organization registered in the small Dutch town of Lisse. The We Protect Global Alliance. Though registered in the EU lobby database as a charity, Thorn sells its AI tools on the market for a profit. Since 2018, the US Department of Homeland Security, for example, has purchased software licenses from Thorn uh, for a total of $4.3 million. I mean, that doesn't mean that they're a, a non not a non-profit, you know, because, I mean, non-profits can make an enormous amount of money. They just have to spend it somehow again. But, um, yeah... Um, 
so 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 the Balkan inside kind of thinks they're a company and looking what I can see it sure seems to me the same way of course uh, Ursula von der Leyen is involved um, I called her Sensursula because uh, she's kind of famous in Germany um, before we kind of um, fired her at the EU and you know sometimes that backfired and I think there were uh, even her own party was trying to get rid of her somehow um, to make a uh, you know trying to not have too much influence but now he's she's he's the commission president um but like in germany she's she's famous for trying to pass um laws that would basically uh outlaw free speech on the internet um censure is the german word for censorship so because she's called ursula and censure ends on ur um they then in you know um there was a big campaign against this her her ideas and uh, the the word censorsula was uh, was coined quite quite correctly. So um, yeah. Anyway, so we have this thorn company where supposedly uh, a, uh, a charity. Uh, I guess if you're making money, but you're helping the children, uh, you know, you can kind of pass yourself off as. A, I I love I just love that like the name is so sinister like thorn. That just seems to be a bad move, right? All these other uh, NGOs, they're called like We Protect uh, or like uh, uh, Be Brave, you know, Stand Against Child Pornography, Be Brave. And these guys are called Thorn. You know, where we make AI with Thorn. Um, and now it gets even, like when you talk about the people getting involved, so we have Thorn, you know, we have Ashton Kutcher who wrote this letter. We have Ursula von der Leyen who's, who's quite known for um, you know, quite draconian policies, you know, trying to want to get rid of people's right to free speech and stuff like that. Um, and now it gets even better because I guess people who like to take my, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I, you know, this, don't really want to allege this, but it all does sound a bit corrupt to me. And like these kind of people who like to take money for this kind of thing, they seem to, um, <laughs> Astrosy and uh, Trish says, think of the children GmbH, yeah. GmbH has the German like, you know, a limited company kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what they are think. That's what they should call it. Think of the children GmbH. That would be much better than like Thorn. Like think think of the children incorporated or something. Um I wonder if there is such a company. But anyway, now it gets even better because these people I don't know, they kinda tend to find each other, right? So let's go on, uh, continuing uh, the quote from this story. Uh, in November 2022, Kutcher and Johansson lined up uh, uh, lined up as key speakers at a summit organized and moderated by the European Parliament Vice President Eva Kaili, who three weeks later was arrested, and you might remember this, arrested and deposed, she's from, uh, from, from Greece, uh, three weeks later was arrested and deposed over an investigation into the Qatargate cash for lobbying scandal. Um, uh, in March this year, six months before his resignation amid uproar over his letter of support for Masterson, Kutcher addressed lawmakers in Brussels seeking to appease uh, concerns about the possible misuse and shortcomings of the existing technology. Technology can scan for suspicious material without violating privacy, he said. A uh, a claim that the European Rights Association said was, quote, deeply misleading. No, let me clarify this. It wasn't deeply misleading. It's a lie. Technology can scan for suspicious material without violating privacy. 
is i mean you could you could construe it in such a way if, if you if you say that you know yes you can do that if the content isn't encrypted but then privacy is not at stake right i mean that's kind of the point of client side scanning you get the stuff before it gets encrypted you know if you do that with stuff that's not even encrypted right um i mean but like even legally if i upload something okay so if i if i upload files to my dropbox right i don't think dropbox could go and start reading all of this and then you know just willy-nilly and then i complain and they say well there was really no expectation of privacy you just uploaded it unencrypted i think a court um at least in germany i'm pretty sure in the us would say uh no this is not an argument people have an expectation of privacy right they have they yes you are their service provider and they are they can expect that you will just not go and just you know read that stuff so and and i so even without encrypting it i think you have a <laughs> you have a fair assumption of privacy if you're encrypting it why else would you be encrypting it right the only reason to encrypt it is that it, you know that that you you have the intention to keep it private um or like between you and a couple of people but you know so so saying that you can scan the material without violating privacy um yes what what i think what he means is you can scan the suspicious for suspicious material without violating encryption because that's exactly what client side scanning is right you're not you because you can't attack the encryption you're you're taking the stuff before it is encrypted but you're still violating privacy because if i tell my phone i want this picture encrypted and you have some software in there that before the phone can do that makes a copy and sends that to your server you know that it's that i wanted it encrypted right you know that you you're violating my privacy and that that is exactly the problem this is what i think all the politicians involved um don't understand and like the general public probably doesn't either which is which is a problem so but i i, I do think like you can't i i've pointed this out with trump a lot i can't technically say that ashton kutcher was lying here because then I would have to prove that he knew. Like, he could just be dumb. Like, let's put it this way. He's either lying or he's too dumb to be... To sh he, he's so dumb that he shouldn't be allowed to talk about stuff like this because he doesn't know what he's talking about. He either knows that, like, you, you cannot... You cannot get... Like, at the point where it's encrypted, there's nothing your technology can do. So you have to get in there before it's encrypted. So you're willingly, you're, you're knowingly um, violating the user's intention who wants encryption, which you know is can clearly be interpreted as you know uh, the user wants, wants privacy. So either he knows that in that case he was lying um, at this event. Um, where he was talking to lawmakers, or he's too dumb. He's so dumb that he shouldn't be allowed to talk about stuff like this. I mean, he's a Hollywood actor, so that could be the case, right? Let's 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 give the guy the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe he's just really dumb. I mean, he he married a woman who was first married to Bruce Willis. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> um, 
Uh, continuing to quote here, the commission has been reluctant to detail the relationship between Thorne and Johansson's cabinet under the EU's freedom of information mechanism. It refused to disclose Cordua's email emailed response. So Cordua is the, um, uh, the, the CEO of Thorne. Um, Cordua's emailed response to Johnson in May 2022, to Johnson's May 2022 letter, or a policy one-pager Thorne had shared with her cabinet, citing Thorne's position that, quote, the disclosure of the information content, contained therein would undermine the organization's commercial interest. So basically, there were journalists who were saying, it looks like there is corruption here. Right? It's lo it looks like a company who would stand to gain significantly financially from this law being passed is lobbying the like the this, this, these politicians to get the law passed. I would call that corruption. Right? Some people call that normal, you know, a normal process in politics. I, I would I would think I would think that is corruption. Anyway, um, so, so that's what the journalist is saying. And the EU is saying, we can't show you this information because it would undermine the organization's commercial interest. So I'm guessing that's Thorn, the organization, right? So, 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 so they, they basically, in not disclosing the information, with with their response, they basically proved the journalists right. They said, "Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, if we disclose this, is it would show that Thorn has commercial interests here." <laughs> so I'd, that that answer is quite interesting to me. Um, after seven months of communication concerning access to documents and the intervention of the European Ombudsman, so so the EU has this freedom of information mechanism, and there's like an ombudsman who the journalists can or people who want that information can can get into the process, and apparently, you know, this uh, ombudsman intervened. Uh, in early September, the Commission finally released a series of email exchanges between Johnson's Director General for Migration and Home Affairs and Thorn. The emails reveal a continuous and close working relationship between the two sides in the months following the rollout of the CSAM proposal, with the Commission repeatedly facilitating Thorn's access to crucial decision-making venues attended by ministers and representatives of EU member states. The European Ombudsman is looking into the Commission's refusal to grant access to a host of other internal documents pertaining to Johansson's proposal. So basically, the Ombudsman looked at it and said, you know, there's, there's no reason for you except like self-interest and trying to cover things up for not releasing this, I guess. Um, so um, what we have here is a company that does AI, that, that creates AI tools for the public good or whatever, but they're also selling them. <laughs> you know, they're not giving them away for free. They, they got millions from the, what was it? Uh, uh, let me go back here. Uh, from Homeland Security, right? Um, so we have a company that, that creates tools that are used to scan this material advising lawmakers in the EU to pass a law that would put all every all, all data of all the EU citizens on all their digital devices uh, basically within their grasp, right? So 
there are currently, you know, there's things that that are being scanned, right? You know, uh, unencrypted stuff that is that is in your iCloud or your Dropbox or whatever is scanned for CSAM. Um, and, and they want to get a law passed that like everything ends up there, that there's even more stuff to scan and presumably they can sell the AI tools. Um, quoting again, FGS Global, a major lobbying firm hired by Thorne and paid at least 600,000 euros in 2020 alone, said Thorne would not comment for this story. Johansson also did not respond to an interview request. Of course they didn't. <laughs> And now it gets like really complex. Now there's a whole thicket of like NGOs and stuff and, and, and government officials. It kind of, um, it gets kind of hard to determine where like a government end, uh, government ends and business interests begin. And it reminds me very much about the censor, uh, the censorship industrial complex as uh, Michael Schellenberger is, is calling it, you know, that we talked about uh, during the episodes of the Twitter files, um, like all these, you know, NGOs and companies that collaborating with the government and with government agencies and, and, and the people moving between them, you know, people going from the FBI to, uh, to, to, to get a job at Twitter and then from Homeland Security to Twitter and all of this stuff where they're basically, it just all meshes together in this mutual interest we would almost call it a cancer. Um, I'm just going to quote all this stuff because it's otherwise it would be way too complicated. Um, and, and it's a good story. Um, so, so we have an organization that uh, you know was mentioned before. It's called WeProtect. WeProtect is the offspring of two government governmental initiatives. One co-founded by the Commission and the United States, the other by Britain. They merged in 2016 and in April 2020 as momentum built for legislation to CSAM with client-side scanning technology. Um, uh, no, they merged in, in 2016 and in April 2020 as momentum built for legislation to CSAM with client-side scanning technology, WeProtect was transformed from a British government-funded entity into a putatively independent, quote, foundation registered at a residential address in Lisse on the Dutch North, North Sea coast. Its membership includes powerful security agencies, a host of governments, big tech managers, NGOs, and one of Johnson's most senior cabinet officials, Antonio Labrador Jimenez, who heads the commission's team tasked with fighting CSAM. So there's this foundation. It's called an NGO. This is NGO says, will we protect? We are against child abuse and you know child porn all right and then this organization is made up of a lot of people from like companies tech companies and the guy who is in the team you know who's in the eu commission's team that is that is fighting this stuff and it's 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 is made like it's is working on the legislation Labrador Jimenez officially joined the WeProtect policy board in July 2020 after the commission decided to join and fund it as the, quote, central organization for coordinating and streamlining global efforts and regulatory improvements in the fight against CSAM. WeProtect public documents, however, show Labrador Jimenez part participating in WeProtect board meetings in December 2019. Commenting on the story, the commission said Labrador Jimenez, quote, does not receive any kind of compensation for his participation in the we, Glo uh, we Protect Global Alliance Management Board and performs this function as part of his duties at the commission. 
Labrador Humanist position on the WeProtect board, however, raises questions about how the commission uses its participation in the organization to promote Johansson's proposal. Yeah, so, so basically they're saying, okay, this guy who is a government official, who is uh, who has a job, like his job is in the government, right? Um, is also on the board of this foundation um, with lots of like public and private partners. And that's okay because he doesn't get paid. What? I mean, I guess it's only corruption when you get paid, right? <laughs> I mean, does the, does the conflict of interest here go away just because like why? So I don't understand why the commission is funding this um well i mean yeah i understand why they're funding this it's kind of like sorry I, I said that wrong um i do understand why they're funding this um you know this foundation it's like from it it was like it originated in the government it's kind of like how they're funding you know independent journalism how the story came about right the, the eu tries to fund like organizations and try to make things better i get that like they're like okay the fight against child pornography uh is is important um so which which it is so so we're funding it that's completely okay but like having intermeshing this right isn't that enough like isn't isn't the funding enough why are you intermeshing this organization then with the people who draft laws like the government official who like wouldn't wouldn't the only reason to fund an organization like this and to have an organization like this outside of the EU so that that organization can do things that you can't, right? So you're funding um, independent journalists because that's not the remit of the EU, right? The EU is a government organization and the press has to be, to work, has to be external from government. Still, you know, the government a, a um, in a... <laughs> In a, in, a, in a state under the rule of law and everything, the government, um, the whole system benefits from having a press. So it makes sense that they indirectly basically sponsoring, the, but like that whole, like th that they're sponsoring good journalism. But like if, you know, if, if, if that would be like, you know, if they were funding a newspaper and then they were putting a government official making them the the editor-in-chief of that fucking newspaper, that would defeat the whole purpose, right? Because it wouldn't be um, independent anymore. Like, it couldn't do the job a free press needs to do. Um, and this, to me, is kind of like the same thing. Why are you funding an, an um, independent entity if it's not an independent entity, if it's all tied up with your lawmaking process? Um. <laughs> uh <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't get that. Um, Labrador Humanist has also played a central role in drafting and promoting Johnson's regulation. The same proposal that we protect is actively campaigning for with EU funding. And next to him on the board sits Thorns Julia Cordua, that, you know, Cordua that we talked about earlier. Uh, uh, Julie, sorry. Julie Cordua, as well as government officials from US and Britain. The latter currently pursuing its own online safety bill. Interpol and United Arab Emirates Colonel Dana Humaid Al-Marzuki, who chairs or participates in numerous international p 
Police Task Forces. Like, why is there a fucking United Arab Emirates guy, like a colonel, a military guy <laughs> on this board? Like, you know, United Arab Emirates, well known for, like, uh, <laughs> democracy and the rule of law and, like, privacy. <laughs> um between 2020 and 23, Johansson's director general awarded almost 1 million euros to WeProtect to organize the June 2022 summit in Brussels, which was dedicated to the fight against CSAM and activities to enhance law enforcement collaboration. So, this is, this is like the, the guy who's responsible to, to like give input and to some extent, like dra draft this legislation is in an organization that has this thorn CEO on the same board and like lots of police people and Interpol and God knows who else. It's um, like, is that not a problem? Is that not a problem when like a government, a politician, and a, well, I guess he's not a, I guess he's a government official. He's more like a, He's just like on, on her team, right? He's like in a, a clerk or whatever, glorified clerk. But like, I mean, his, his job is in the government fighting, fighting this stuff. And, and that should be it. Why is he also in the, I mean, I mean, I'm, I, this is, these are just rhetoric questions, right? <laughs> Obviously the story can't, can't allege this. They can also only show like the connections. But I think the implication is 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 obvious. Um, you know, he's there to get get input from these people and then put it into the lawmaking process, and that is the problem. They they when they drafted this law, I'm going to get back to this later. But when they drafted this law, obviously they got a lot of input from companies doing this shit and not from people know what they're talking about, like cryptographers or like public, you know, uh, uh, civil liberties people. Okay, then there's another uh, NGO, I guess. They're called Brave Movement, uh, and, and they're also involved in this. Um, Brave Movement's links with the Directorate General for Migration and Home Affairs go deeper still. Its Europe campaign manager, Jessica Airy, worked on communications for the Directorate General between October 2022 and February 2023, promoting Johnson's regulation. According to a LinkedIn profile, Ari worked close, quote, closely with the policy team who developed the child sex abuse imagery legislation in D4, um, where Labrador Jimenez works, and partners like Thorn. She also worked horizontally with MEPs, We Global Protect Alliance, and APCAT. Ask about a possible conflict of interest in Ari's work for Brave Movement on the same legis legislative file, the European Commission responded that Ari was appointed as a trainee and so no formal permission was required. <laughs> so the journalists go, isn't it a conflict of interest that somebody who works at the, you know, at the part of the EU who's drafting this legislation um, but is also working for this other organizations uh, with partners like the the, the 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 tech companies that make money if this passes, um, and and the commission goes well well you know there's no permission required because you was just a trainee she was not paid or not paid a lot or whatever, um, yep 
I know, the classic deflection. The journalists were asking about conflict of interest, right? The, the conflict, what does the conflict of interest have to do with how much money she's paid? Like, by, by this organization. It's like, I don't know, it's like, it's like, it's like this weird thing where it's like, okay, if, you, if you're doing it um, voluntarily, uh, then, it's, then it's, it's, it's not undue influence or corruption or whatever. Like, you know, it's not like, <laughs> I mean, this is all conspiracy theory or whatever, but like, it's not like you can't give people money without paying them directly, right? I mean, we've, we've seen, we've seen the, the Hunter Biden stuff where basically the Ukrainian company gives him money and then he just gives it to a shell company and they give it back to him and then the tax people go, you got income. He goes, no, that's a loan. That isn't income. I mean, you know, it's not like they can't give her money in a second, you know, avenue, right? She's just a trainee on this, but of course she, she you know, gets a no-show show job somewhere else or later or whatever. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. Um, but this brave movement, um, uh, uh, organization is really really uh i don't know it just seems really sketchy to me um so let, let's quote from let's continue quoting from the story brave movement has enlisted expert support its advocacy strategy was drafted by uk consulting firm future advocacy where its quote toolkit which aims to uh while its its quote toolkit which aims to quote build a beating drum of support for comprehensive legislation that protects children in the EU was drafted with the involvement of Purpose, a consultancy whose European branch is controlled by French Cap Gemini SE. Purpose specializes in designing campaigns for UN agencies and global companies using, quote, public mobilization and storytelling to, quote, shift policies and change public narratives. Propaganda. Mayor, <laughs> uh, should, I, should, I, should I quote Bernays again? Um, <laughs> Sorry, got the. I was trying to drink and got the the used the closed beer bottle that didn't work. Yeah, we call that propaganda. Um, since April 2022, Purpose representatives have met regularly with ECLAG. Then, so that was where the um, this was also connected to this Airy uh, Jessica Airy person. Uh, she worked with them as well. Um, no, that was APCAT. Sorry, there's too many acronyms in this. Since April uh, 2022, Purpose Representatives has met regularly with ECLAG, the network of civil society groups and lobbyists, to refine a pan-European communication strategy. Do documents seen by this investigation also show they met with members of Johansson's team. And now, contrast to that, and um, we're gonna we're gonna get back to this um, these these. Uh, I think we're gonna get back to um, to where where was it? Uh, give me a second. Um, um, it's so confusing. This whole thing is so confusing. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get back to brave movement uh, in a bit, I think. Um, but before we do that, let's contrast this with another um, NGO. That is actually also engaged in file fighting uh, ch children's abuse, and that wants to get involved because they know a lot about this process. But they have maybe a different agenda or a def different view. 
and let's see how they fare. So they're called Off Limits. Uh, Off Limits, previously known as the Online Child Abuse Ex Expertise Agency, or EOKM, is Europe's oldest hotline for children and adults wanting to report abuse, uh, whether happening behind closed doors or seen on videos circ circulating online. Of Limits Director uh, between 2015 and September this year, Ada Gerkens, deeply knowledgeable of EU policy on the matter. Yet, un unlike the likes of Thorne, she had little luck accessing Johansson. You know, she was trying to have impact on this uh, legislation. Um, and she says, Commissioner Johansson and her staff visited Silicon Valley and big North American companies, she said. Companies representing themselves as NGOs but acting more like tech companies have influenced Johansson's regulation, Gerkens said, arguing that Thorne and groups like it, quote, have a commercial interest. Gerkens said that the fight against child abuse must be deeply improved and involve an all-encompassing approach that addresses welfare, education, and the need to protect the privacy of children, along with a multi-stakeholder approach with the internet sector. Um, which, And I think this is, um, this is key here. This is, this is a very important uh, point that I will get to later as well. But um, so I feel like, and this, I mean, this is not something I came up with. This is something that, that people have said um, about this legislation. People are critical of it. Um, what this legislation does, it kind of closes the eyes uh, of, from you know, it kind of, tries to not look at the actual problem, right? People who, um, it basically tries to criminalize pretty every, put everybody under, under suspicion, right? Says we, we need to look at all of your private stuff so that we can figure out if there's any child porn in there. And if there is, we can like, you know, investigate you and indict. You. And it's, it's, it's very focused on like making people criminals or finding criminals it's not and what 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 this um what this woman says and i um and i agree with so um this uh Ada Gerkins, um that and i've thought this actually for a long time if i think about it um that 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 child porn child pornography or child abuse is a um like deep societal problem and we've known this for a long time and there were all these stories and like in the 80s and 90s in, in Belgium. Um, my mother always ranted about this stuff when it was in the paper, papers. And I mean, the UK has uh, uh, Jimmy Savile and, and all this stuff. So there's deep, this stuff is rooted deep in, in society. And also the, the looking away and, and ignoring it and not reporting people is also rooted deep in society and i feel that like just i'm not saying it i'm not saying it shouldn't be criminalized i think it should be criminalized but we are just we're just focusing on criminalizing it and prosecuting people um instead of addressing the problem right it's kind of like how the drug drug crisis in the us got out of hand because in the U.S., they were very much um, concentrating on prosecuting people, you know, drug dealers and stuff, and they, they, they're not addressing or like, especially when you're talking about like, you know, the 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 opioid um, 
uh, epidemic. Like they they were not addressing the underlying problem. It's kind of like the the issue I also have with um, um, not that I'm against gun control, but like a lot of proponents for gun control, for example, um, in the Democratic Party in the U.S., they pretend that you can solve the problem of mass shootings uh, that the U.S. has um, by just uh, just controlling guns. Um, and they're just ignoring uh, psychological factors. And they're not asking the question, why is this happening? And I feel the same here. Like, why is this happening? How is this... Um, how How come there are... Like, these people are pretending... The child pornography is a or and and child abuse connected to this is a phenomenon of the internet age, but this stuff has happened way before the internet was like in the public's hands, right? This has happened in the like back in the day they apparently used to share like videotapes, and there are also um, really disgusting like you know people who abuse children who like they don't like. They just do it, right? They just they just meet and and, and kind of like Jeffrey Epstein and his fucking island have like, you know, they they're just protected, I guess, by like a network of of, of people who, who who look away or who do not do not go to the police or whatever. I have no idea. I have no idea how this stuff works. I'm you know I'm I'm so far from this topic as anybody else, anybody could be. I have I really have no idea. I don't even have children, <laughs> so it's like. I'm like, I'm just out there. I just, I'm not, I'm like not part even particularly interested in this stuff. Um, but I understand that's a problem and I, I understand why it's a very sore topic for parents. But like we, sh we would all benefit, I think, like, like she says, from, from addressing, like I'm not saying you should um, um, Pro not prosecute people or investigate people. I I actually think you should do that more. I actually one of the reasons why I'm why I think this legislation is dumb is because if you talk to people, I've actually did this. I did a, a story uh, that was con congenitally connected um, to like um, child abuse, like child pornography uh, online. It was basically a, a, a dark net as, as, as a story, right? And and that's obviously that it was we we were researching uh, weapons, uh, arms dealings, like drug dealings on 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 the internet, right? On 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 like underground forums, and you know child pornography is always a factor, always comes up. And I was actually talking to some um, uh, you know criminal uh, investigators in in the police, and the German police that are. Uh, you know, uh, task with, with finding this. And, and you know, they, they were talking about how they actually, you know, um, go undercover, they, they go into these forums, they actually, uh, you know, try to ingratiate themselves, themselves with these people and, and try to crack these rings of people who, who, tr who trade this stuff. And they are undermanned. Like, they have no, no capacities. Like, they get more, um, more hints about this stuff than they can actually um, investigate properly. Um, so these companies make it sound like, oh, we're going to magically do this all with AI, which I think is bullshit. Or I, I know it's bullshit because I know how these technologies work and I know it won't solve any problems. It will, if anything, give more material or more, not even material, it will tie up the police with stuff that maybe isn't legitimate 
child pornography and even if not it will give them more material and they're not enough they don't have enough people um they also have a huge problem that there's not many people who want to do this job right because in this job you have to look at child pornography every day um this one um commissar was actually talking to uh, that's what we call in germany the, the um, a detective basically um this, this one detective was telling me how many people burn out on this stuff um, and that there are many people who you know, get transferred into this unit and they're very um, gung-ho and they want to make the world a better place. And then after like two weeks of looking at the stuff, they're like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> I need to transfer back to my old department or whatever. Like, I can't do this. Um, you need to be a pretty resilient, like psychologically stable and, and, and very resilient person and have a lot of fortitude to deal with this stuff. Um, so I don't think any of this make it better. I think we need, um, you know, and I think we need to, um, basically, I think as a society, this topic is just like ignored because it's so horrible. People don't want to look at it. And then if like a story comes out, there's outrage, right? And then, uh, yeah, it's passes law, but people really don't want to think about it. And And this plays into the hand of these tech companies who go like, well, it's an online problem. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to concern yourself with that. Just, just pass that law. You know, let us let us deal with this, and we'll we'll use AI, and it'll be magically, and it'll go away. Um, you know, which I don't think this this um, personally, if this passes, I don't think it will do anything on the like kind of producer side if you can call I don't know what to call it like the people who fucking abuse children and and make these horrible this horrible material like they won't get caught by this they're not using a phone that uploads all of this autumn like they're not you know um they, the people who consume this yeah you'll catch more of them but I, I don't think that'll make the problem go away uh, because I mean obviously it's a thing it's uh, obviously like you can't get rid of these people. Obviously, there are people that are born um, and then in a certain whatever, I don't know if it's genetic or if it's behavioral or both, who the fuck knows, they'll, 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 they'll get turned on by this shit. And, and these people presumably are like a certain percentage of the population and they just, you know, you arrest a hundred of them, a hundred more grow up. I don't know. Like you need to get rid of the, I don't think you can get rid of the problem, but you need to attack the problem. It's kind of like the the as I said, you know, the the I have, um, I have a huge problem with like for example drug, uh, the, how the police, um, polices, uh, you know, the 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 tries to deal with the drug problem. The police, like the our current laws, um, and I'm speaking of Germany here, but I think it's pretty, I've, I've seen it be the exact same in the UK and I, I can't, I can't imagine it's different in the US, but like our laws are basically designed to just bust certain people and they'll, they'll bust a lot of like low hanging fruit and, and they'll never really do make a dent in the, um, in the people who actually like import this stuff and who will make the, the real money. Right. Um, and that's obvious because the problem isn't get, isn't solved. Like you can you can you can you can. It doesn't matter how how you um, crank up the 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 prison sentences for for getting caught with drugs. There's always drug dealers, <laughs> you know. It's it's not doing anything to the fucking cartels 
in in Mexico or whatever or Colombia, right? Just the stuff is is always happening, um, because we're not addressing the underlying problem, and this seems to be the same, the same thing, um, except those laws to fight drugs haven't had the same, you know, like collateral damage. I mean, this will this will have the collateral effect of just destroying privacy <laughs> on the internet, which is privacy these days. I mean, who's who's meeting in person to discuss things? I mean, come on. Um, you know, so we're closing our eyes and we're listening to these people who say, oh, it's an internet problem, let us deal with it. Um, but so so this um, this Ada Gens, who's who's you know who's from this off limits uh, organization, who is uh, headquartered in Amsterdam. Interesting. Of course, she's not the only one who thinks like that, that way. There's also governments. I mean, the the German government held this law back because it's concerned with the privacy implications. But apparently, the Dutch government also has reservations. So, um, quoting from this story again, um, it's a position reflected in some of the concerns raised by the Dutch in ongoing negotiations on a compromise text at the EU Council, arguing in favor of a less intrusive approach that protects encrypted communication and addresses only material already identified and designated as CSAM by monitoring groups and authorities. Dutch government... Uh, a Dutch government official speaking on condition of anonymity said, the Netherlands has a secure... has a serious... Con so, sorry, the Netherlands has serious concerns with regard to the current proposals to detect unknown CSAM and address grooming as current technologies lead to a high number of false positives. The resulting infringement of fundamental rights is not proportionate. Um, but obviously, um, I mean, He's right, and I don't think these comp I think these companies know that, but you know they stand to they don't care about the false positive. they just stand to make a lot of money because they, they'll have a lot more material and you'll need their technology to search it and you know they get they, it's kind of like the um, um, the, the censorship uh, industrial uh, complex which spawned all these companies that analyze the you know the Twitter uh, firehose and all that stuff right um, in Continuing here in the story, in June 2022, shortly after the rollout of Johnson's proposal, Thorne representatives sat down with one of the commission's cabinet staff, Monica Maglione. An internal report of the meeting obtained for this investigation notes that Thorne was interested to understand how, quote, bottlenecks in the process that goes from risk assessment to de detection order would be dealt with. Detection orders are a crucial component of the procedure set out within Johnson's proposed re regulation, determining the number of people to be surveilled and how often. European Parliament sources say that in technical meetings, Salodeos, the rapporteur on the proposal, has argued in favor of detection orders that do not necessarily focus on individuals or groups of suspects, but are calibrated to allow scanning for suspicious content. This, experts say, would unlock the door to general monitoring of EU citizens, otherwise known as mass surveillance. So, with other words, this is the part of the legislation where they're going, um, no, um, like, it, it's not a law where we can, um, um, like, circumvent people, people's privacy if we have a reason to, right? Um, it's kind of like, I mean, I've talked about this, the German government, we have legal spyware, right? The police can put spyware on your computer or your phone. Um, but at least that has to be signed off by a judge. And that's bad enough because it's, as we know, gets, you know, judges sign off these things 
way too often. Um, I've talked about this on the show in, in previous episodes, but um, you know, this is so here they're going from that to just 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 let's look at everybody's stuff. Um, in the same meeting with Maglione, Thorn representatives expressed a quote willingness to col collaborate closely with the European Commission and provide expertise when, whenever useful, in particular with respect to the creation of the database of indicators to be hosted by the EU Centre, as well as to prepare communication material on online child sex abuse. The EU Centre to Prevent and Combat Child Sexual Abuse, which would be created under Johnson's proposal, would play a key role in helping member states and companies implement the legislation. Uh, so this is kind of like the technical part of it. You know, they would take care of the technical part that comes along with once the law is passed. It would also vet and approve scanning technologies as well as purchase and offer them to small and medium companies. As a producer of such scanning technologies, a role for Thorn in supporting the capacity building of the EU Center database would be significant. Uh, would be of significant commercial interest to the company. Meredith Whitaker, president of Signal Foundation, the US nonprofit foundation behind Signal encrypted chat application, says that AI companies that produce scanning systems are effectively promoting themselves as clearinghouses and a liability buffer for tech companies sensing the market potential. So basically the same thing as the, um, uh, uh, you know, as the, the censorship um, industrial complex where you have companies. So you have the, as government agencies like the FBI uh, wanting to uh, look at all of the, uh, the Twitter, uh, you know, all of certain, you know, certain, all of the tweets of a certain person, whatever, like they have certain targets and they can't do that themselves. Um, and like Twitter can't really do it themselves. So there are these companies which like who, 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 who come up, who, who analyze the stuff, right? They get all the tweets that, that, that are going through the Twitter system. They get a, get a feed of that. And then they scan that um, for like indicators as they like to call it, like in intelligence circles and, you know, suspicious what things that the FBI once um, investigated, then they hand those tweets to the FBI and the FBI then goes to Twitter, which like insulated, insulates the whole thing. So like, you know, the FBI is not directly responsible. Twitter is not directly responsible. It's the same kind of middleman position. And they often do the same things like bullshit. Oh, we, we use AI, um, which just seems to be an excuse. I've, um, I'm listening to a podcast uh, a lot called uh, America This Week with Matt Taibbi and Walter Kern, uh, who are two very, very intelligent people. And uh, Walter Kern has, over this year on this show, kind of um, whenever they're talking about AI, his thing is like he's a novelist. He's also a journalist, but he's, he's also a very, very good novelist um, and a screenwriter. Um, he has ident So he looks at stuff with like kind of a novelist perspective, which is very interesting. He says he's identified kind of a, a trend where um, AI, the term AI is used as kind of like a insulation against like blame, right? So if you, if you do things uh, like censorship or uh, stuff like this, where like people could get upset, where you like you make a mistake and you censor the wrong person on social media, or here you make a mistake and the wrong person gets hauled in by the police, um, it's handy 
to have this black box called AI, which nobody understands, none of these politicians, the police people, nobody really understands this kind of stuff. Um, they're all technical experts. The press certainly doesn't understand it. And, and so you, you have that box, and then if something goes wrong, you go like, oh, uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, this is the AI's fault. Like he's identified this, for example, with uh, drone warfare, where it's like, you know, uh, in the past, uh, the you know, the U.S. government, um, you know, famously under Obama, when they like drone bombed some wedding, uh, I'm laughing, but it's actually not funny. Um, I think in Afghanistan, um, you know, there's an there's an operator there. There's somebody who made a decision, who who is at fault, and that's not good for the government. It's is much better if you have an AI controlled drone. You can go, yeah, okay, the the algorithm went broke, it's not going to happen again. Um, and the, the, the amazing thing with AI, um, when I'm talking algorithms, like they you always can blame somebody. With a, with a, if, you, if you're writing code, you can blame somebody. Somebody wrote that code. The amazing thing with AI is that it just like goes away on its own. And you, know, you have parameters. You train the model, right? But the model just some, spits something out, and then it's not even the programmer's fault because nobody actually wrote code um, this is why, you know, when you, when I talked about AI in the past, I said, you know, I talked about this and I said, this is, you can't use it for, 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 for science or journalism when you need a deterministic, you know, you, if somebody comes along and says what you did there was wrong, or I want to know how you came to this conclusion, you kind of have to prove as a journalist, you kind of have to prove how you came to that conclusion. And as a scientist as well, like it has to be reproducible. Um, and the, uh, the bad thing, or in this case, beautiful thing about AI is that it isn't. And that you don't really know how it <laughs> arrived at this conclusion. So it's, it's, it's great for this kind of thing. Um, so this this is, I think, uh, what these why these companies are often going in the AI direction. Um, um, the more they frame this as a huge problem in the public, so this is the uh, managers with Whitaker from from Signal. Uh, the more they frame, who obviously knows how <laughs> encryption works. The more they, fr they as companies like Thorn, the more they frame this as a huge problem in the public discourse and to regulators, the more they incentivize large tech, large tech companies to outsource the dealings of the problems to them, Whitaker said in an interview for the story. So it's very clear that whatever their incorporation status is, that they are self-interested in promoting, promoting child exploitation as a problem that happens online and then proposing quick and profit profitable technical solutions as a remedy to what's, what in reality is a deep social and cultural problem. I don't think governments understand just how expensive and fallible these systems are, that we're not looking at a one-time cost. We're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars indefinitely due to the scale that this is being proposed at. I mean, I don't even care about the money, but like the, f the, the, the fallibility is the problem. And of course, the... the, the uh, collateral damage by this law basically get rid of all privacy um, but yeah she has the same idea she's you know this, these companies she's right um uh the, the, these companies um are like pretending that this is like an online problem that can be solved with two. and this is very this is something i've also identified um in the last 20 years and ever since i've been a tech journalist um there is this ethos that I think originated probably in Silicon Valley um, but with the success of Silicon Valley and its products has spread everywhere um, that I think it's 
initially it was an American problem, right? This idea that we have a problem and we can solve it with technology. It's like a very um, like utopian science fiction, like kind of like um, I had like 60s, 70s science fiction, right? That that like technology can solve all these problems at some point. Um, and like science, right? That 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 we will be able to cure all diseases and 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 get rid of all these societal problems with technology, and and we've learned again and again in the last twenty years that that is not the case, right? Um, I said the same thing when they said, okay, we have a pandemic, we need like Bluetooth tracking, which was patently a bad idea. It, that was a if you if you like stepped back a little bit from the panic and just went let's just um assess this idea on on its own merits it was very easy to see how that was a bad idea how that would never work but like with faith um you know into like technology is gonna save us here um which is this typical silicon valley it's almost a brain cancer it's like this 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 over overhyped um belief in technology and i've i've personally i've identified especially in the tech press it's like a cycle right it's like the t a new technology comes out the press is like this will solve x and they're like all gung ho and for like maybe a year or, or two they're like oh this will solve everything and then suddenly it becomes clear that of course it won't and then they're like really disappointed and they go like Often they, 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 it's like the user's fault or like it's like somehow society's fault um, that, that this is like this. when they like, you know, ignoring human nature, think that something will change the world. And then it turns out, no, actually, human na it doesn't because of human nature. And then they're angry about human, human nature when they should have just from the beginning just logically looked at this, looked at. 4,000 years or 6,000 years of recorded history and go, well, that's, that's not going to help. <laughs> it's going to make some stuff better, but it's not going to solve the problem. And this is the same thing. Like, this is not going to solve the problem. Aside from everything else this is going to cause, which, which is my main concern, it is not going to solve the problem. It might put, put more people in jail. It might put twice as many people in jail. It might put three times as many people in jail, but it will not solve the problem and what we need to do is we need to get people to understand that this is not a technology problem this is not an online problem this is a, a societal problem there are people in our society who are sexually aroused by small children i don't know what that is it's probably a disease right it's it's a psychological condition um and we need to understand that and start addressing that. And, of course, we also need to criminalize it and we need to fight people who make money of this. And that's the more important. Like, we need to fight the people who are benefiting by this the most, the people who produce this stuff and the people who spread it around. Instead of just, like, presuming everybody's guilty and attack it from that end. Um, and that, that just, the problem is that just needs a lot more work, right? That needs good old fashioned police work that we need to get more police officers doing this 
people who know how to do this. And a good, good, you know, leg work, a lot of work. It and it's 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 sorry, I'm sorry, but it's not going to be easily solved with AI, as like these politicians have been talked into by these people. Okay, so I've talked a lot about why, why this is a bad idea and how you cannot have privacy um, without end-to-end uh, -end encryption um, and how why uploading shit to the cloud and the cloud and AI is not a solution. But if you still don't believe me, here's two more arguments. Uh, one's from uh, Matthew, as they say, Matthew Daniel Green, uh, Matt Green, as I know him, is a uh, very, very respected cryptographer. Um, he's a, as I say, a cryptographer and security technologist, a professor, I think, at Johns Hopkins University. And he's been quoted in the press. He's, he's very, very knowledgeable about encryption and has, um, unlike maybe many people who uh, are actually cryptologists, um, has a way of being able to just explain these things succinctly to like normal, normal human beings. Um, so I've read a lot of his blog posts and stuff and quoted them a lot in my stories because he's a... It's a very down-to-earth and very knowledgeable guy. Anyway, um, he said there was an evident lack of scientific input into the crafting of uh, the regu regulation. Quote, in the first impact assessment of the EU Commission, there was almost no outside scientific input. And that's really amazing. And that's really amazing since Europe has terrific scientific infrastructure with the top, research in top researchers in cryptography and computer security all over the world, Green said. And not only all over the world, like the... One of the um, one of the uh, most respected university when when universities when it comes to cryptographic research is K KU Leuven uh, in in Belgium, which is actually relatively close to where these people are in Brussels. Um, among many other people, the guys who invented AES, the, the encryption standard, uh, that is pretty much universal. Um, we're, we're at, uh, at KU Leuven when they invented it. <laughs> so, you know, they have, the EU Commission has really knowledgeable cryptographers, cryptographers right next door and they didn't ask him. Now, he says this, right, this is in the story. Um, in a bit, I'm going to talk about Johansson's reply. And she disputes this. Um, in, in her letter, she says, that's not, wrong, that's not right. We asked, basically, we asked... Uh, um, experts and, and 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 cryptographers. I guess she she alleged. I mean, what what Green says? You asked experts from companies, but you didn't ask actual experts. And this is obvious. I mean, this. I don't believe Johansson, and I believe Matthew Green, uh, for a very simple reason. Anybody who knows this, and I talked said this in the last episode when I talked about this shit. Um, this legislation. It's obvious that these politicians did not ask actual experts. They continue to insist that you can have privacy and end-to-end -end encryption and do this scanning. This is patently wrong. That that's wrong. That is wrong. Right? That's like saying you can um I don't even know. I don't even know what would be that stringently logic that you that you could say um i that, that's like saying we can have a war without casualties okay that's more of a historic thing you look back and it's obvious but like um it's it's like it's like a scientific 
um it's like it's like you ask you know you you're legislating something something about nuclear bombs right and then you say well we asked the experts and the experts have told us that we can build a nuclear bomb without splitting the atom so we don't need nuclear fission to build this nuclear bomb and then some expert says well that's bullshit you obviously didn't ask the expert that's kind of what this is um it's like if you don't know the topic you know you could you so i don't know if these i don't know i don't know what's going on i just i just it seems that they are influenced by these companies and not by actual experts. I don't know what they think. I don't. I don't know if people like Ilva Johansson um, um, know that they are talking bullshit and think they need to do that because because they want to protect the children. Basically, they need to misguide the public because they want to protect the children. It's all for the good. Or if she just doesn't know, right? There's lots of press reports about this, um, where where and I I just is this. It boils my piss, <laughs> as we like to say in the UK. And I'm actually I'm going to write a story about this at, at some point. It really boils my piss when journalists do this, and, and they go, um, "Well, um, this is the side of the you know of of the EU Commission, and they say we need to do this, blah blah blah." And they say that this can be like um, this this encrypted data um, can be scanned without. Um, like this data can be scanned without breaking the end-to-end -end encryption. Uh, and then we asked uh, a cryptologist and the cryptologist said, no, that is actually wrong. Um, th that is not possible. And then they leave the story, right? That is just shitty journalism because if you know, if, if you talk, if you get the expert to explain to you why you cannot scan end-to-end -end encrypted data to find child. You cannot scan it. If you if you properly encrypt it, it's uh, it's white noise. It's it's like pseudo. It looks like pseudo uh, random noise. It's like you you can't find anything in there. That's the whole point for encryption. Like if you understand that, and then you understand that the way around is scanning it before it gets encrypted which makes the encryption useless, right? Then you don't write it like that. Then you don't write the story like that. I wouldn't write the story like that. I wouldn't say, oh, I ask an expert and, and they say what the, what, the, what the politician said is wrong. No, I'd say what the politician said is wrong and here's why, <laughs> because this is why how encryption works. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a complicated topic, but if you're a fucking journalist and you're writing about this and the whole privacy of everybody living in the EU going forward is, is, is at stake. You better fucking knuckle down for it like a day or two to learn this shit. It's not that much to ask. Like, I had no fucking... What was it? What was it? The heart, when Heartbleed came around, right? I was, I was sitting at Heiser and I was the last guy in the office and I had to write the story. I, did, I had no fucking clue how, like, a TLS handshake worked in detail. I didn't fucking know. But I, you know... This is what the internet is for. <laughs> you research that shit. You, you, you make yourself a lot of strong coffee. You sit the fuck down and you just go home that day at like, I don't know. I don't know when I was home, like one o'clock or something at night. You, you fucking knuckle down and you better learn this shit. Because I guess it's hard, and, but that's your fucking job. And that's this journalist's fucking job.
Anyway, um, Matt Green goes on. The idea that we are going to be able to have encrypted conversations like ours is totally incompatible with these scanning automated systems. And that's by design. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The, the professor in cryptography just explained it to you. And the companies that want to make money and the politicians that are influenced by them are full of shit. Anyway, if, if you need another argument. In a blow to the advocates of AI-driven CSAM scanning, US tech giant Apple said in late August that it is impossible to implement CSAM scanning while preserving the privacy and security of digital communications. The same month, UK officials privately admitted to tech companies that there is no existing technology able to scan end-to-end -end encrypted messages without undermining users' privacy. Well, no shit. <laughs> If even Apple says that. Apple don't really put themselves out there like this. But I'm like, yeah, I mean, everybody who knows what they're talking about knows this. <sighs> oh, we're going to pass a law that planes uh, are not allowed to have wings anymore. Because that just costs too much money. And the wings is where the engines are attached And and the engines are what causes the 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 uh, econ uh, the the the, uh, the, the um, uh, you know the, the the environmental impact, and that's not good for the planet. So we've decided that wings on planes are bad for the planet. So we're outlawing it. We asked the experts, and um, the aviation experts have ensured us uh, that that. And then, you know, maybe these were the, the aviation experts from, I don't know, the, the, the last generation or something. Um, they have assured us that wings will fly, uh, planes will fly without wings. And then the journalist goes, well, you know, the, the EU uh, is passing a law that, 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 that planes should have no wings. Um, and and we asked we asked the, the members of parliament and they said, yes, um, and the experts have told us this will completely work. And the, wing, the, the planes will just, going forward, will just fly without wings. Um, <laughs> we asked an engineer at Airbus who said, this is poppycock. Um, this is how lift works. A plane will not fly without wings. And there you have it, dear <laughs> No wonder everybody's, you know, no wonder everybody's just, getting dumb, dumber by the minute. There's nobody standing up and saying, this is fucking bullshit. You guys are full of shit. <sighs> But of course, it gets worse. So the last um, little aspect of the story, and I've, I've, when I talked about this two episodes ago, and I think I need a second beer, this is not good. It's not good for my brain. This bullshit. I need to immediately kill these these <laughs> neurons who've just processed this crap. Um Yeah, so um as I kind of predicted two episodes ago when I was talking about this, I'm gonna say, I was saying when they pass this law, if they pass this law, um there will come a point when they say, Hey, uh why don't we use this to scan other stuff? Uh we really don't like BDSM or whatever. That that was my argument. But like obviously, um I mean this was based on just historical observation. We've seen this when laws like this get passed. 
um, sooner or later somebody from law enforcement c comes along and says, ah, wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be great if we can't scan um, for, for some other stuff, some other illegal stuff? Maybe there's people have pictures of drugs in there. Or, you know, I don't know, pictures that look like the kind of beating their wife. Uh, maybe you want to investigate that. Um, so what I hadn't, like sometimes I am too naive. Sometimes I am, sometimes even I don't foresee how cynical, like I'm not cynical enough, basically, how, how brazen these fuckers are. They've actually already discussed this before the law was even passed. So quoting from a story, in July 2022, the head of Johnson's Directorate Gen General, Monique Paria, visited Europol to discuss, so the European Police Agency, to discuss the contribution the EU police agency could make to the fight against CSAM in a meeting attended by Europol Executive Director Catherine de Bol. Europol officials floated the idea... <laughs> Floated, floated the idea of using the proposed EU center to scan for more than just CSAM, telling the commission there are other crime areas that would, uh, that would benefit from detection. According to the minutes, a commission official signaled understanding for the additional wishes, but flagged the need to be realistic in terms of what could be expected given the many sensitivities around the proposal. I mean... This is what like privacy and, and, and civil rights people always say, right? Once you give them the right to do this, they will just go on. Something like this is never rolled back. They don't roll back these laws. And of course, I don't even blame the police. It just makes their job easier. If you're doing a job and somebody says, hey, we have this technology... Um, and we just need to change some laws and it'll make your job so much easier. I mean, you'd be for this. Of course the police is for this. But in society, we have, in, in our democratic republics, we have like these pillars of society and these checks and balances. And, um, you know, we have a legislative, which this is concerns, and, and their job is not to make things easier for the police. In a way, they are there to balance the police, right? Because the executive, of course, wants to make stuff easier for the police. So the people make, making the laws are supposed to make the law, laws not, a form, not from a perspective of how could, how could we make this easier for the police, right? They're supposed to weigh the interests of like the public against this kind of stuff, but they don't. Well, wait, 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 wait. I'll speak too soon because uh, I, I'm, I'm reliably informed they do. So let's talk about, so when this story came out, um, some people in the European uh, Parliament, so the European Parliament has the Civil Liberties Committee, the LIBE, and they wrote a letter um, to uh, Ilva Johansson and asked her to address the things brought up in the story. To which uh, Ms. Johansson said, uh, the article, the media article you refer to, published in various versions by different media, 
is an attempt to misrepresent the normal consultative work of the commission. In this case, consultation with tech companies or with survivors of child sex abuse. Um, so I'm, I read this and I wonder, maybe they didn't, maybe they actually accurately represented the co quote normal consultative work of the commission. And maybe that normal consultative work is always this fucking corrupted. I, I don't know. That could be the reason. And by the way, I just, just quick, I, as somebody who deals with language, um, I, I don't want in any way take away, I mean, abuse, sexual abuse is horrible. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm all for like legally fighting it. And, but I just hate it when people like subvert language to get there, like to, to propagandize them. You You're only a survivor of something if somebody actually actually tried to kill you, right? I'm not a when I go bouldering. Uh, I'm not a boulder survivor when I go home. I haven't fallen. I wasn't in danger at any like in a year of doing this. I was never in danger, right? I'm not a motorbike survivor because I get off my bike. You know, today I I, I rode to the to the shop to do some grocery shopping. I come back home. I can't call myself a survivor. I wasn't in a crash, right? There, there wasn't any threat to my life. If, if there wasn't a threat to your life, I understand that this is a very horrible thing to happen to somebody and that it can cause um, physical and mental harm, significant harm, like even in a case where like people kill themselves after, you know, because of this. But sorry, I'm, it's just not what survivor means. Don't use uh, language like this. Actually, in this story, while we're at this topic, um, I, I thought I actually had to put that in my notes. Um, maybe I skipped over it. But like, I think the, the thing that's brave... Um, oh, yeah, I, see, I actually skipped over that. So I actually want to read that out because I found that was very, very... Um, sinister um so they um um brave movements internal advocacy advocacy documents lay out a comprehensive strategy for utilizing the voices of abuse survivors to leverage support for Johansson's proposal in European capitals and most importantly with the European Parliament while targeting prominent critics. The main objective of the brave movement mobilization around this proposed legislation is to see it passed and implemented through the EU, it states. Once the EU Survivors Task Force is established and we are clear on mobilization on the mobilized survivors, we will establish a list uh, of a list pairing responsible survivors with MEPs. We will divide and conquer the MEPs by deploying in by deploy deploying in priority survivors from MEPs countries of origin. Its advocacy strategy reads: Conservative Spanish MEP Javier Saleos, the lead negotiator on the issue in the Parliament, according to the Brave Movement strategy, has called for strong survivors mobilization in key countries like Germany. So what they're saying is they they are they are an advocacy group. Uh, they consist, among other things, of people who, as children, were abused sexually, which. I understand, right, why they are now an advocate against this kind of thing. Totally understandable. But then they want to, like, basically pair these with MEPs, basically pressure MEPs. So if somebody is like, 
I cannot vote for this law because it basically, you know, destroys privacy as we know it. And then they will send like abuse victims to them who then explain to them like why they, I mean, does, does anybody else think this is incredibly cynical and just like, I mean, I, I read this and I was like, what the actual fuck? I mean, this is like, kind of tells me that these people are not really, they know, they're not really convinced of their like supposedly good cause to, to save society, right? Because, I mean, if your cause is that just and that like, easy to understand like you wouldn't have to like put put like inordinate amounts of like political pressure on people to force this issue you'd think they could just explain why the, why the argument is the better one and then let the MEPs vote right anyway that just occurred to me I'd, I'd forgotten about that but that's just like because of the survivor um, terminology I don't I just don't like no matter what your cause is um, I don't like propaganda and I don't like using terms um, in a manipulative way. And this is what that is. I mean, people who use that term might not even recognize that, right? I understand that you have a you have a cause and you have you might have a justified cause. You might have a significant cause. I actually think somebody who's you know who's uh, who's gone through this kind of thing. Um, which is extremely horrible and and then like giving your life like channeling that into um trying to prevent other people from being harmed like that that is a, a an extremely good cause right and i don't think you need to um like <sighs> distort it or like kind of almost sully it but just like using terms to like what that term is is um like it it's it's there to manipulate people it's there to make to dramatize what you've gone through like i i, I am like it's it's weird it's, i'm i'm almost when i say this i'm actually i'm i'm, I'm, I'm i i mean this I'm, I'm i am sorry that the language we're using does not adequately convey like the pain and the suffering you went through. Um, but trying to change the language to manipulate people is not going to make that any better. Um, and I mean, I think this is one of the even not as bad cases. Like, uh, But you see, you see this term misused everywhere these days. Like, you know, um, there's like a... a LGBTQ, like I, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a transition survivor, whatever that is. Like, you, you, if, you, if you, if you, like, I wouldn't call myself a survivor of anything. Like, in 40 years of my life, I've never been in a situation where I think I've, I was in mortal danger and I've survived. Right? If somebody points a loaded gun in your face uh, and the safety's off, and yells, I'm going to fucking kill you, right? And you manage to just duck out of the way or punch him out or whatever, then you're a survivor. That, that was like, you were in mortal danger at this point, right? If somebody runs your car off the road and you 
you you like your car turns over like 50 times and slams into a concrete wall, then you're a survivor, right? I know somebody who, uh, when they were about 18, I think, um, they were riding their motorbike um, and they got run over by a agricultural tractor and they lost use of an arm and they've been on pain medication ever since. Like that person can say they're a survivor. Um, they nearly died in that crash. Like very nearly. Um, anyway, that's just that's just me, and uh, I'm a I'm a journalist and a writer, and terms are important to me. And this kind of um, I mean I'm I'm belaboring this point because that is exactly this kind of language is incredibly powerful, right? Nobody actually the press not saying this. What this proposed legislation does is get rid of all privacy on digital devices. It's not saying that this clearly because they're afraid or whatever. That is exactly the problem. It lets people like these politicians weasel through with these terms that like, kind of confuse people and it's a confusing topic and it's, it's technical and whatever. This is like how a lot of this shit happens. Anyway, Johansson continues in her letter, let the text of the proposal speak for itself. One of its key pillars is technological neutrality. In other words, the proposal does not incentivize or disincentivize the use of any given technology, leaving to the providers the choice of technologies to be operated to comply effectively with the obligations of the proposal, provided they meet the high standards set in the proposal and in EU law more generally. Technologies to detect online child sexual abuse have existed for years, and they are certainly not the monopoly of a single organization. Um, it's kind of a non-denial denial. This is just like empty speech. I mean, if I let the proposal speak for itself, then it speaks for itself in that these people have no, un the people who drafted it have no understanding of technological basis of what they are proposing um, and yes technologies to detect online child sexual abuse have existed for years um, but they had nothing to do with client-side scanning um, it's not like there are many companies doing this stuff and all of this doesn't deny that they were very involved with one certain company that, you know, is probably likely to get the significant contract when this passes. Um, and this all completely sidetracks at the fact that it doesn't fucking, I don't even care if it's technological neutral. Like, what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> that's, like, that's like saying... Um, uh, you know, we're, we're passing this law and uh, we will imp we implement this technology that will put 10% of the population in concentration camps. Uh, now, the technology is totally, like, neutral, right? There's, and there's many companies who will, who will compete on, 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 on putting this technology, like, into practice. Like, yeah, but what you're doing is morally reprehensible, Um yeah, and as we'll see, as as we see but we make the proposal matching only the single company's technology. I mean that. I mean that's what government bureaucracies do, right? That's. I mean that's. Um, that's what you do, you know. That's that it, under EU law, for like many many years, 
uh, when you, as a company, uh, you want to do something, you want to build a house or whatever, you have to like um, tender, like you have to have official tenders, right? So all these companies can can apply. And as a, uh, over the last, I don't know how long this practice been in, in, in force for like 30 years or whatever, it's become an art form to like formulate a tender that uh, only one company can fulfill. And and this has been going on forever. Not only in the, I mean the US. This is like an art form in the in the in the um, military industrial complex, right? This is how, how 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 like big 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 armament companies get like their contracts. Um, um, let's let's uh, let's build this stealth fighter plane. Oh, turns out the only company that has the stealth. Uh, Technologies, McDonald Douglas. Well, okay, well then it's just them. <laughs> oh, what 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 a surprise! Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the answer to the question who benefits from my proposal is children, and who benefits from its rejections uh, rejection abusers who can continue their crimes undetected, and possibly big tech companies and messaging services who do not want to be regulated. And every single EU citizen who wants to maintain a private life. But like, if you analyze what she says, um, I find the last bit very curious. Um, so she says, um, who, who benefits uh, and, and who benefits from its rejection? Big tech, com possibly big tech companies and messaging services who do not want to be regulated. What's this law have to do with regulation? This is not this is not a regulatory law. This has nothing to do with regulation, right? This is um, this is a law that 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 uh, impacts criminal proceedings against private citizens. It's got nothing to do with corporations, except you know because of the lobbying. But like the actual law doesn't, and. How? Like this doesn't make any sense because this big these big tech companies are already all they're already doing the mass scanning for CSAM. They're just not doing it on 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 <laughs> on on encrypted, like they're just not circumventing end-to-end -end encryption. That that I thought that was weird. Um I'm confident that the honorable members of the parliament, uh those in the LIBE committee will judge the regulation on its merits. I will continue to ensure the balance and respect of all the fundamental rights at stake, regardless of sensationalist media. We will continue ensuring that children's right are, rights are treated equally to other fundamental rights. So she says this in her letter several times, um, that you have to weigh children's rights to other fundamental rights. She never really mentions privacy. Um, to me, this is like a classic example of um, Hitler's big lie theory. Sorry, I have to bring up Hitler, but it's just how this, you know, he uh, put forth in Mein Kampf, put forth a theory that's been used by many, many people. Ever since. It's like a, it's a classic propaganda uh, strategy. Um, uh, Stalin was very fond of it as well. That, that basically says if you just... It, so there's a theory that if you repeat a lie often enough, people believe it. That really doesn't really work. But if Hitler's theory was, if the lie is big enough, um, so basically that people can't even conceive that you would be lying, because if you would be lying, it would be so preposterous that nobody would do that. Um, and if you keep repeating that, 
big lie, then uh, people will believe it. And in this case, the big lie would be the assertion that other fundamental rights, i.e. privacy, um, is even being given merit here, that it is weight against children's rights, but it isn't. That is like patently bullshit, because this regulation will mean the end of all privacy. So it's like completely negating a, a, a right a fundamental human right um, in the in all of the digital space, um, and yeah, as I said before, we need to we need to start talking about it like this because they just get away with their their big lie, right? There is simply there is no privacy in the digital realm without end to end encryption, and. Uh, there is no encryption if you upload everything people want to encrypt before they can encrypt it to the cloud, right? I mean, there's technically is encryption, but you've just completely negated it. Um, it's like... Um, it's like seeing that your car has like the profile on the tires is run down and to increase security, um, you buy new tires and you put new tires on the car uh, and then before you go on the road, you just puncture them. <laughs> you know, you just go take a screwdriver and go... <laughs> Idiocy. Um, I also noticed the uh, cheap attack on the press she has in there. Uh, regardless of sensationalist media, now this... This Balkan Insight article is as far from sensationalist as I've seen um, in a long while. Um, if anything, I would think she's being sensationalist because um, she's been confronted with significant um, issues, you know, obviously documented um so she's she's been confronted with the fact that a lot of lobbyists for companies have been working very closely with her and the people who are drafting this legislation and um that she obviously hasn't um or it looks like she has not listened to any um uh, human rights, like you know, uh, 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 civil civil liberties people, any cryptographers, you know, tech experts in the field, and her replies. But the children won't won't somebody think of the children? That's sensationalist. If anything, if anything, this the the this this continued. Um, like harping on that point. Like nobody who's against this legislation has said we, we shouldn't criminalize child abuse and we shouldn't do anything. No, not anything. That's a good point. Like, you know, the, nobody has said we shouldn't do something about this and maybe even do more than we're doing already. Um, they're just have an issue with your specific implementation which is a very bad idea and 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 their their response is just like oh no we consulted everybody and every every 
everything's fine and people really want this and 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 want somebody to think of the children it, it is it is really bad um i don't know what will happen um if this gets uh when when and if this gets discussed and decided if it will be passed again um if it actually is passed uh, in the european parliament um if there is any recourse there um i will i would hope that there would if if something like this were to happen um that there would be mass protests um yeah i i wish the the press really would 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 do their job a bit better and actually like research these things um and just not go to a cryptographer for a pull quote um go to them and say you know so you're saying um you cannot have what this law proposes and still have secure and private communications why is that explain that to me and matthew green could explain that to you he could explain that in a way that even just like a normal you know mainstream journalist who just got you know writes about all kinds of stuff and has this story today could understand that and then you have to have the balls and like put yourself out there and go like this no this is not just an opinion by somebody this is for all intents and purposes the truth right they put themselves out there and go like you know global warming man-made global warming isn't a theory it's the science it's proven well this is the fucking science about end-to-end encryption and client-side scanning right so you know so yet you also have to do that at that point i just i just don't i just don't i can't i hope enough countries and enough meps step up to this this is a horrible idea um, I'm all about fighting child sexual abuse um, and putting more people in jail that produce and consume this stuff. Uh, but there has to be a sane way. <laughs> like there has to be a way that doesn't turn our society into like, um, comp- like we're already under mass surveillance everywhere. Um, and it's just like, not even that it's just like what i don't understand is even if they don't understand the technology right um these politicians they're like don't they like i don't even did they swear and or i think that's only the the head of the government who swears an oath but like they're they're supposed to understand how democracy works right and can't they see that going we need to look at everybody's private photos and text messages because, I mean, they could be a criminal. Don't they understand that this undermines, like, the rule of law and our whole system of government? I mean, you can't... Democracy presumes that... Democracy is a social contract. And democracy presumes that the majority of people are just, in most cases, law-abiding citizens. Like, everybody will break a law at some point. You know, we have so many laws. 
but like in modern states but like d democracy is a concept it assumes that the, the the vast majority of people in a state are acting on good faith if the state starts assuming that any citizen is suspect and any citizen might be a criminal and might be a bad actor then we're like on a fast track to authoritarianism i mean this is why this is what when dictators take power that's that's the kind of thing they say that's kind of like how states like the soviet union saw their citizens right that's why in east germany you had the stasi uh, and you know secret police that was watching everybody because the state assumed that every citizen was its enemy and every citizen was a criminal um you can't have that in in democracy democracy you know these people vote democracy depends on you can't <laughs> you can't have somebody like electing the government who you on on the other hand suspect is like a perverted connoisseur of child porn don't these people like don't don't these politicians leaving everything else aside why don't they un, like how can they be in the position they are in and and don't understand that i don't get that but i mean i guess it's not only politicians it's like that's like journalists who don't understand that there can't be journalists and activists at the same time um which I've talked about on the show a lot. It's, but I mean, like, if you're a police officer, you understand that you just can't be a criminal at the same time, right? I mean, okay, you watch something like The Shield, and it's it's very different. But I mean, in general, right? Right? You, I, this. I don't. We we need to we need to um we need to make sure this this law isn't passed otherwise I'd I don't know what to do. Like if this is passed and they're scanning all my photos and all my text messages, I'm not going to take any photos anymore on my my phone. <laughs> I'm just going to it's going to take everything on my like fucking DSLR. I mean, what the but I mean that this would presume like let's let's just for a second be, before I close this out this which I haven't even thought about but this would they would also do this on your computer right Microsoft would have to do this on Windows I'm I'm guessing I I'll have to switch to some Linux distribution that doesn't give a fuck what the EU thinks like how would they like they'd have to build that into everywhere they'd probably be be content to just do it on phones but I'm guessing like a lot of like I mean I I'm guess they're sharing child porn on a phone now. <laughs> I I I don't <laughs> The more I think about this, the more I just have to drink to kill brain cells. This is just if you if you know anything about technology, this is insane. This whole proposal is completely fucking batshit crazy. Mm.
I need to I need to stop thinking about this. Mm. We need to move on. This is not good. Um anyway, I would like to thank everybody uh who supports the show. You support the show if you send me feedback. Uh we had some interesting discussions on the forum. Um about the the, the, the discussion is continuing about um, what to do with lawmakers that make stupid laws. Um, this was prompted by the episode I did before the first episode about chat control, which was also about child pornography, but this stupid German law where basically uh, now people are indicted and the DA and the judge says we don't want to prosecute them because they're obviously not guilty, <laughs> but we can't do anything about it. Uh, because the law is worded in such a way that we can't do anything about it, and uh, we we were disc and now the politicians are changing the law because everybody realizes that it was really dumb. But we were like kind of talking about what you would like. How can you punish? I guess lawmakers that pass shitty laws like this. That's an ongoing dis discussion. If you want to be part of that, uh, I have a forum uh, that's kind of for my blog and for this podcast where you can you can join the discussion. You can email me. Just go to privatism.press. Um and I, I you know, you you're if you do that, you're a producer of the show because uh you help me produce it. Um, you know, I'm open to suggestions. What other stuff I should talk about, uh, which should drive me uh, you know, if you have other topics that will drive me into existential peril like this one. Really, I've been I've been dealing with this for like three or four days, just like this one story, and I was just like it's it's bad. Um <laughs> Actually, to drink hot liquor only so I can sleep, it's it's bad. Anyway, if you want help with that, um, private citizen or press, you can also pitch in monetarily, which kind of helps me because I'm a poor freelance journalist. And I, when I say I'm poor, I actually, actually mean that. I just recently did my taxes. Um, it's not looking rosy. Uh, at, at least I don't have to pay that much taxes. <laughs> That's the upside of not having that much income. Anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to turn into uh, Drachenlord here and kind of beg for money. So um, let let's instead thank the people who, uh, you know, I have a Patreon which you can join. It's kind of like this thing where it's like a subscription. You can kick me like a, a euro or a dollar or a euro dollar. Uh, you know, I, I wish they would just get on with it and. and do cyberpunk and get the euro dollar. That would make so much, so many things easier. Anyway, or I'm reading a. I'm I'm reading a uh, Arthur C. Clarke book currently from the '60s, and they have the sterling dollar or the stola. <laughs> I think euro dollar is a bit more elegant, but and we should get something like that going. Anyway, uh, you can support me on Patreon, uh, and I would like to uh, acknowledge the people that do. Uh, my showrunner, who is um, No Agenda Royalty, ITM, Circle Taron, executive producers Butterbeans. Jaroslav Lichtblau, Rizel, and Sandman616. Supervising producers Avis, Bennett Piata, Dave IKN, Jackie Plage, Jonathan Mhitai, Krunkel, Michael Mullen Jensen, and Tobias Weber, or Tobias Weber. I never know. Uh, producers Andrew Davidson, Astro C, Barry Williams, Cam, Captain Eckhead, Dirk Didi, Fadi Mansour, Florian Pigorsch, Joe Pozo, Mr. Amish, RJ Tracy, and Robert Forster. And also thanks to the associate producers D, Jonathan, Johan Sonin, Kai Sears, Ricky M, Steve Foss, and Vlad. And if you're watching this live on Twitch, 
and you subscribe to the channel, um, then um, you're helping out too, which is good. And you can do that actually for free if you got Prime. Well, it's not really for free because you're playing for Prime, but if you're not subscribing to any Twitch channels, you might as well subscribe to mine. Hey, that almost rhymed. We can probably put that to music and have a rap or something. Well, I shouldn't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm not very musical. <laughs> People know who listened to the first episodes of uh, Linux Outlaws. Um, also, I would like to thank ByteMark. Speaking of Linux Outlaws, ByteMark uh, at ByteMark.co.uk is a British cloud hosting company, and they um, provide the servers. And they have, you know, that the audio file is uh, is, is hosted on and they have since uh relative at you know some point in the i don't know when it was like maybe in the middle of the run of links outlaws and ever since uh they've been doing this and they're they're promoting free speech so that's great um indie gaming says hello they still pay uh, wow they don't pay um but they they do something similar um, they provide me with two servers free of charge and all the bandwidth. So that's actually uh, very valuable. Also, they have damn good bandwidth. If you download this podcast, you know what I mean. I mean, the servers are always up. Um, and they just... Pipes are good. So uh, thanks to Bindmark. Uh They're great. I like them. Really cool. Um, and yeah, I was actually hosting stuff on their servers for a while, but now I'm not in the UK, so it's a bit... Uh, yeah, with Brexit and all, it's a bit. Uh, it's not as easy as it used to be, but I I like them. They're great. Um, so bitemark.co.uk, check them out. Um, I don't really do sponsors, but that is kind of like, yeah, it's a special case, and it, you know, it just there's no there's no other way. It keeps the show going. Um, yeah, if I had to pay for that myself, uh, that would probably eat all of the uh. The Patreon money and probably more, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to find out. So thanks to Biden. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to play us out with a song called Inner Stress by Auto Hacker. This is, I don't know, it's like uh, Epidemic Sound, which I license all this music from, um, classifies it, classified it as both synthwave and metal. Um, I don't think it's actually metal. At least not how I understand it, but I know I can understand where they got that classification from. But it's a very cool song. It's, it's you know by somebody called Auto Hacker. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like making music and hacking Teslas at this at the on the side or something. And it sounds really like something from Cyberpunk. So that's that's pretty awesome. Anyway, um, I'll be back. Um, probably gonna try to do two episodes next week somehow. I mean, I'm kind of late with this one. But uh, I'll, I, uh, the week after, I'll be on the road uh, quite a bit. So that'll be hard uh, to record a podcast. So I'm gonna tr- I think I'm going to try to do two episodes next week. Let's see how that goes. Um, of course, I'll keep, you, um, I'll keep you up to date on how this uh, legislation develops and what we get out of it. Hopefully nothing, but we'll never know. It's the EU. They have passed some pretty horrendous laws in the past um so let's see but let's you know hope for the best and um yeah i think i think in light of this topic i'm not going to say aim to misbehave because that kind of misbehaving 
I, I just don't want to do. Just, you know, keep asking the next question. Inner stress. That's uh, that's what I feel when I read these stupid, stupid, stupid letters from these stupid politicians. <laughs> 